Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, we've, yeah. We've been um, on a roll with our podcast recordings this month, and we are excited to bring you the second half of our conversation with our friends Patrick and Dwayne over at Pulsar Security. Um, if you haven't listened to our last episode, which is Demystifying Cybersecurity Part 1, we definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that before you listen to this one so that you can get a good intro into who Patrick and Dwayne are, what their backgrounds are, and some really important, valuable information on um, password management and why it's important for you to change your passwords on a regular basis. <clears throat> but <laughs> we're now bringing you part two, and this is the part of the interview where we really start to dive into why is cybersecurity so important for clubs specifically and what Pulsar is doing to support CMAA clubs in this space, specifically around the ideas of you know, meeting and fulfilling cybersecurity requirements necessary for things like insurance renewals and financial audits. Um, I know, you know, these things can feel very overwhelming if you're not familiar with cybersecurity at all, or if your basic understanding of it is passwords. <laughs> um, but Patrick and Dwayne do a really wonderful job of breaking down what feels like a very complicated and intimidating subject and making it much more digestible. Um, I think my favorite takeaway from one of the things they said was like, how do you, you know, they compared it to that phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? It's, it's where you start with those small things and then you work toward some of those bigger, more difficult things to tackle. But we'll let you guys take a listen and we're gonna dive right into part two of demystifying cybersecurity. Oh, anyway, so like I said, we could have a riveting hour-long conversation just about passwords, but um, we'll we'll move along to the next question, which is, um, you know, is is Pulsar currently working with any other CMA partners or providing your services to any CMA clubs? If you want to talk about what that kind of looks like, and obviously we, where your expertise lies and such, we are. Um, we we became an education partner at, because. Okay, so this is going to sound a little corny, but it's true. So I'm a West Point graduate. I'm a Gulf War veteran, very patriotic. And I believe, and I've convinced Dwayne, or at least he says he agrees, that the, the, the cyber war is ongoing and the only victims are Western companies for the most part, Western individuals and companies. And, you know, in, in, the, in the countries that are coming after us, their governments are in their networks because they don't have a choice. Um, in our country, we have a choice and most people don't want the government in their network. So we see it a real um, disenfranchisement of small to medium-sized businesses. And the clubs are small to medium-sized businesses. They're important. They're very high value targets because of who their members are. And so we've chosen to try to partner with the CMA to you know, increase awareness, to, to put out their education. We do um, a, almost a dozen webinars a year with the CMAA. Mm -hmm. There's one on passwords. Um, and so we're, we're willing to give away the free information because it should be given away for free, but sometimes you do need help. And in those cases, it can be a toe in the water. Like you want to do your, your audit, your annual, um, cyber insurance audit, or you want to just be able to say with a straight face that you're trying to do something about security. And we do things like a, a dark web assessment where we go out on the internet and find what of your credentials are in those breaches and give you a report on that. Um, we go out and we do a, a vulnerability assessment, external vulnerability assessment to say, if I just looked at your web presence 
what could I just walk through the door on or what, what might you need to upgrade or my, what might you need to change? I think a large percentage of the world's websites are hosted on WordPress and WordPress has one or two vulnerabilities a week, if, yeah. if not more. Yeah. And so we can add some value there. That's, that's the toe in the water side. But we go all the way up to an offering we're building out or we built out called um, CyberShield that's meant to give smaller organizations an affordable um, approach that is similar to what we would recommend a family member do if they had a small to medium business. It's, it's really meant to be as, as automated as it can be without being over automated, mm -hmm. just enough personal touch to make it useful and, and easy to navigate, but not so much that the price is outrageous. So we're trying to dial that in. We are yeah. working with clubs already. We're working with some of the larger partners um, and we're going to yeah. continue to try to make this a secure space. Yeah, like I'd say, um, some of the clubs we're working with right now, like uh, Portland Country Club's been fantastic, um, really engaged about understanding security and what they can do to, you know, make their environment more secure. Um, Houston Oaks, another great club uh, we've been working with. So it's it's been good to work with these clubs and see, you know, um, you know, what's their pain point? What are the things that are unique in a club? It's interesting. Patrick Patrick um, engages me and hires me as the guy who would do the, the think the dark things. Um, so I'm the think the dark things guy. So Patrick's like, okay, let's say you're gonna let's say you're gonna attack IBM, <clears throat> or you're gonna attack Intel, you're gonna attack Apple. How are you gonna do it? How are you gonna breach the perimeter of that sort of stuff? And I'm like, okay, cool. I take all the executives and I find out where they live and I'd find out what kids they have and I'd find out what schools they go to and that sort of stuff. And I'd start profiling that. I would probably drop devices for those kids to pick up. No, no kids were harmed in this exercise. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay, cool scary don't do that what's not next? watching true crime and I, that's not what i meant <laughs> right and i say okay get I some would bolt find, cutters right <laughs> in a van yeah in a box of candy like whoa whoa okay um, <laughs> so he says what's next and i said you know I, what i honestly would do is i would take all the executives that go to those those organizations and i would profile what clubs they go to mm -hmm. because intel spends you know hundreds of millions of dollars a year on security but country clubs that they go to probably don't so if that's the case i can easily breach those networks and then i would put implants there so that those executives would walk me into the organizations you could get a job at a club we've, we've actually applied for jobs at targets to see what information we can get from them in the interview yeah. process but if you have to take the job you take the job yep um, and then start putting implants there so it's so it's interesting to go through that that mental game of okay if i really were the dark hacker who wanted to do these things how would i breach these organizations um and then that's where the club market you know we started looking at the club market going you know this is really kind of a unfortunately this is this is a great target for nation states to try and break in a larger organizations is breaking in through the clubs and and cyber and criminal syndicates because there's money there sure um, so we started, not only are we working with the clubs though, coming back to, you know, partnerships and the clubs, obviously we're a partner with the CMA and it's been fantastic to reach out to as many people as we can as an education partner. Um, and we were working with some of the clubs that I had just talked about um, as well, but we're also working with partners. Um, so Jonas, I'm sure you guys have, have heard of, everybody's heard of Jonas because they're okay. fantastic. Um, but we're working with those guys. They are hyper committed to cybersecurity. Um, so they're like, you know what? We, we'd love to work with you guys. We want you guys not only not lip service, like, yeah, we're working with you guys. Like literally look at our entire stack. Oh, look at I think we're co-presenting with them at the next show. Uh, yes. We love yeah. it. So it's going to be great um, to, to it. So it's been fantastic working with partners of that size who truly do care about 
the security of not only their own products, but but what they're providing to the clubs. Um, so yeah, so we've we've been fortunate to have some really great partners in the in the industry like CMA and Jonas to work with. Well, yeah, like I, we're glad you guys are on board because I think you you bring up a great point is that clubs probably don't have a great cybersecurity plan in place and they are full of very wealthy, very powerful people. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, some do. it's like a no brainer. <laughs> we, when we went to the conference, we, we were surprised. There were some because either the, the director, the GM is, is, is very cognizant of these problems. Mm-hmm. Some of them focus more on the physical security. I heard that from some of the people from, you know, my, my generation and older, uh, in just case you know, wondered, from the from the audio I'm, I'm the older guy on the call um so so you know they but but and there are some that are very technologically ahead um and they have you know they've already doing the things that we're recommending so this it really runs the gamut we're we're trying to help those that um are having trouble navigating these waters and trying to give them not only free resources but also be available as a resource i love it all right so speaking of clubs and cybersecurity, you know, often um, clubs have to fulfill these cybersecurity requirements to get insurance renewed and doing their financial audits. All of these things are tied together. Um, is it hard for them to do to meet these requirements? And and if it is difficult, what what can they do? And if it's not it, difficult, explain. It's it's hard to know where to start, and that's the hardest thing mm-hmm. is is knowing where to start now. These these forms are, are meant so that the insurer or or whoever is the overwatch, the auditor is, is saying that basically you really need to have an outside counsel for this. You need to have someone you can who can advise you on this. And having that relationship is difficult. We've dealt with um, multi-billion dollar organizations that literally will change their security vendor every year because they've had so many bad experiences. Wow. And so it, you have to get somebody who you trust. You have to get somebody who is in it for the right reason and and i hate to say this but but a lot of the people who get their start in cyber start with criminal records um and we're not that kind of we're not that kind of people um but it doesn't take that much what you need to do is you need to one start paying attention to it start caring about it start taking on things once a week once a quarter once a month uh hopefully not once a year it would take you forever to get through the list um but if you if you need to have a relationship, you have to do something with a vendor, and and that might just be getting the dark web of assessment or a vulnerability assessment, and it doesn't have to be with us. There's plenty of people out there that can mm-hmm. do these reports and run this stuff, but you need to have someone you can call, other than Ghostbusters, uh, when things go sideways, um, and and so it's kind of like having a, a general practitioner. You you need to have in order in order for our healthcare system to work. You need to have a general physician. A general physician. You have to have your primary care physician. The same is true in cyber because when you need to talk to someone, you don't want to be setting up the vendor relationship and all that stuff. You want to, even if they can't help you, you want them to tell you who can. Sure. You want them to facilitate it. So you need this in your arsenal, and and that's one of the reasons the CMA has added IT as a competency recently. Mm. It's important. It's becoming. You can't do without IT anymore. So, you, so it's part of our lives, whether we like it or not. It isn't hard, but it's going to take some attention, some budget, and some effort. And honestly, I think the the budget is the easiest thing. It's the attention and the time. And these, the, your show, for example, webinars, 
Um, there's plenty of ways to get information and get informed, but you, you got to take that step. Yeah. Well, and, and I think part of it is that it's early days, right? So, and I say early days, cyber has been around a long time. Patrick and I have been in this industry before anybody really cared about this industry for about two decades now. Um, where literally we'd go in to talk about cybersecurity to organizations and all the executives would leave because they'd be like, uh, legally, it's better if we don't hear this stuff. So when we get breached, we can just say we didn't know. Um, that actually happened. That actually happened. Yeah. Um, back to now where people actually care. But when you start taking, taking a look at, you know, um, financial audits and that sort of stuff, you know, insurance organizations, financial organizations are really now starting to clamp down and say, hey, are, do you have a plan here? Are you making sure that you're not getting breached? Are you an unreasonable risk for us? And, and in the club market, it's been in the last few years that this has started to come into play. So what's great about that is the bar right now, and, and I don't want to make it sound super easy, but it's not that hard. The bar right now is not super high. You don't have to be a digital Fort Knox right now to meet your requirements for insurance and financial audits. You don't need to be like, okay, yeah, we have, you know, uh, armed guards and gates out front. We have facial recognition. Um, we have encryption everywhere. We have a gated cage with all of our servers, which are actual requirements that we've seen at places like Disney and banks sure. and that sort of stuff. Like, that stuff, yeah, we get it. That's the height of cybersecurity. It's not the requirement um, here right now. So meeting those requirements isn't as hard as you might think it would be, yeah. just some simple stuff. Can you can you share the requirements for the walls at the Disney Data Center, or is that too classified? <laughs> okay, so little side note. Um, I know, as we'll we'll talk to you guys for hours. We, we've worked with Disney at their data centers and that sort of stuff. You may and, have to cut this out. <laughs> I, this guy was fantastic. I swear to God, he was out of central casting. He was like a short ex-military, like, welcome to my data center, gentlemen, type of guy. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. And he starts talking about the data center and, and he's like, you know, these, these, uh, these walls here will withstand a 5,000 pound object hitting it 280 miles an hour. And we're like, what the heck are you protecting against? Like the whole round from a tank? Goofy. Yeah, exactly. Elmer Fudd's gun is much more powerful than it looks. <laughs> so he, he said, no, if, uh, if a hurricane comes and picks up a Humvee and throws it into the wall. Right. Um, but yeah, some of the statistics there were just amazing um so that level of security yeah you don't need that um it's cool uh, but you don't need it you can go with 140 miles an hour you know right have to just right so that only <laughs> so aggressive right <laughs> amazing uh, amazing okay so we've talked a lot about what organizations can do when it comes to security and thinking strategically about security um but I think it's also important for us to talk about the fact that, you know, a lot of breaches can be caused by individuals, by staff. <laughs> um, so in addition to having an organizational strategy for how to handle cybersecurity and make sure we're implementing these plans to work over time, how can clubs train their staff? to be more conscious of security because I mean, I think just from, again, our riveting conversation on password management, mm. that can be very individualized. And a lot of people don't, we're lazy. We're lazy by nature and no one wants to remember hard passwords. So everybody chooses the same thing, right? So how do you train your staff to make sure that they are thinking with security, maybe not the forefront of their mind, but at least like in the fourth third of their mind. So it's not <laughs> something they forget. So mm -hmm. first it has to become a, a, an open priority. People have to pay attention to it. They have to, uh, it, if the leadership is showing that it matters, then it'll matter. What we used to say in the military, if it doesn't get checked, it doesn't get done. So if you, if you do the things to make sure people are, 
are doing it, but it really is just telling them this is a priority and making the resources available. So for example, um, end user training can be anything from um, having them watch a webinar, a CMA mm -hmm. webinar on the topics. We, like I said, we're doing, a, we're doing at least half a dozen a year right now. And they're all informative and they're all going to tell them, listen to the podcast episodes like yours that talk about security, our podcast security this week. But there's also training that they can get professional training from us or some other organization on, you know, how to how to recognize phishing attempts. Um, there are services and we're going to be adding this to Cyber Shield soon that will practice phishing people so that they can see, oh, we got you that time. Now you got to go through the training again. But it's as it's, it's serious as you want to take it. You can spend you can spend an hour a week with the staff to train them on those things, um, or you can completely ignore it, and your staff will as well. Yeah, and I I definitely say re um, revisiting it. Don't make it a super long training, but make it a lot of little trainings. And, and here's why I say that: um, anytime you want a human being to remember something, it's more repetition than it is long study sessions. They tell you this all the time when you're studying for exams. Don't cram the night before. And it's not because they want you to be good and study whatever. It's because the human mind is, is designed to absorb material in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So if you do a small little bit, like, hey, we're just gonna talk a little bit about fishing and what it might look like, and that's it. We're not gonna go into all of the, yeah. And then next month, we'll have another little hour session. And, and because in your mind, all these sessions are associated with cybersecurity, then every month cybersecurity becomes a, a topic that's on the forefront of your mind, even though it's only, maybe it's only a 10 minute segment. Maybe it's in the beginning, uh, you know, beginning of the day on a Sunday, GM stands up and says, hey guys, gonna be a great day today, gonna be super busy. Sunday in the summers is always busy, it's gonna be crazy. One of the things I'd like you to always remember here is if you see an email that comes in from somebody you're not expecting, if it's a vendor or whatever, keep in mind that this may not be from that vendor. You might be, you know, might be just a phishing attempt. Have a great day, whatever. Even if it's only a couple seconds, right? You brought it yeah. to the front of mind for those people to then remember and and keep keep thinking about. Um, and just so that you know that, you know, these this sounds weird, like oh well, a lot of breaches happen from internal staff and that sort of stuff. Uh, and you can look at the statistics and that sort of stuff. But I can tell you, one of the worst ones that Patrick and I were ever on, and I feel bad about this one. I do. No and, names. No names. Okay, no names. Okay, no names. Um, so we had, we had, we, Patrick and I do a lot of talking. As you can imagine, we like talking. What? Uh, what? Never would have guessed. <laughs> so we were giving this lecture on, on cybersecurity, and one guy comes up, he goes, oh my gosh, this is great that you guys are, you know, in cyber, blah, blah, blah. I'd really love you to check out my organization. I'm a developer there, but, you know, I think we need to look at cyber. I, you know, I, I'm the guy who keeps pushing to look at cyber, and we're like, oh, awesome. And we, we went in. <laughs> We did a full assessment of the organization. We were able to breach the entire organization. And unfortunately, we were able to breach the entire organization through his computer. Oh, no. So, <laughs> he had taken his computer, and because it was inconvenient for him to test his websites and have them open up the firewall, he plugged his computer into the outside internet and in the internal of the company, and we could access everything through his computer. And at first, we were like, first off, you're doing a great job of understanding that cybersecurity is important and uh, you're the biggest problem at the company. You really probably should unplug. <laughs> oh no. Um, so it's, he yeah, unfortunately us. it's, and you, you know, you, you phrased it great. It's unknowingly, right? Sometimes you do something that you think is great. And this person really did want the company to be secure and engage us as a cybersecurity company. And, but where did he go know. to work after that? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it, he was, it, it didn't, it didn't, he was embarrassed, but it didn't fall on him professionally because no, he's the one that brought us in. 
Um, yes. What is it? Is it 29 or 36 percent? What, what's the percentage of uh, phishing as the way that hackers get into uh, an organization? It's actually in the 40s. It's like 42 okay. percent. Yeah. <clears throat> so the, uh, the rest of it is misconfigurations or, you know, bugs or not patching and those kinds of things. Uh, but but user error. And, and most of the time it's because the user clicked on something they weren't supposed to. So let's talk about a real quick example. If. <clears throat> yeah. Actually, we could talk about some of the examples that have been happening recently. Our staff, they try to do a smishing attack, which is an SMS attack, mm -hmm. and they pretend to be me. And they say, uh, I'm, I'm at a conference and I need you to send me, um, you know, buy, buy a bunch of gift cards, scratch them off and, and send me a photo really quick. I can't wait uh, so I can give them away as a raffle. And our people, one, know where I am most of the time, know how I mm -hmm. deal with them. And even then, if I ever did something like that, I would expect them to check with me in a different mode mm -hmm. of communication, like email or a phone call or a face-to-face -face meeting. And it doesn't cost anything. It's just a little inconvenient, which means it's more secure mm -hmm. <clears throat> for you to do that checking. So we've had companies that we've dealt with that have lost money because somebody's email gets breached and the hackers send an email as a vendor saying oh our yeah. banking information has changed and the, and the the tenor of the email the signature the images everything is identical and so they send the money to the wrong account and then the vendor comes back later on and says hey what why didn't you pay us you usually pay us on time and like what are you talking about the money went out mm -hmm. weeks ago and so it's it's it, we we're getting to a point where the communication is so convenient now you got to do it twice Yep. Yeah. To verify those kinds of communications. Wow. That's one of the main ways that users cannot be the weakest link. And that's that's a really good point. Um, because a lot of people I get asked this all the time, um, either personally or from organizations, like, how do I train my users not to click on a phishing email? And and a lot of tech companies will go in and say, Well, you know, if you see the if the image is a little squished and then it's not really Bank of America, or you know, if the copyright is wrong, and it's like, okay, cool, but you know what? I, I'm a forensics expert at looking at these things. And there are some that I look at that I'm like, damn, that's good. Like yeah, I would have clicked on that. Really right? sophisticated now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know what? There's this misnomer in the world of of phishing where people are like, oh, well, it's if there's spelling errors. And and yes, there are spelling errors in phishing. They're looking for a certain type of user who wouldn't notice the spelling errors, who also won't notice the hoops they're jumping through that they normally wouldn't jump through. That's a different class of phishing. But if you're looking at the sophisticated, highly organized fishing campaigns, yeah, they're fantastic. They're really good. Not only that, but if they did breach the particular vendor, now the email is coming from the right place right. with the right cadence, with the right responses. <clears throat> and what they're typically doing is they put auto rules in your mailbox so that when a reply comes in, it gets auto deleted. So you won't even see the, the person who's supposed to pay you replying and saying, yeah, not a problem. I'll, you know, pay you. So they'll forward it on to their own like Gmail account and delete it out of your inbox. So you won't even notice the conversation going on, but it's coming through your mail system. Um, so in that case, Patrick's right. Double checking the channels. Anytime anybody asks you to do something like that, you know, calling up, calling someone up and talking to them isn't a, a big deal. Um, if they contacted you over text, sending them an email and asking them, hey, is this something that you were looking for? Um, Patrick and I even go to an additional level where we have a challenge and response sometimes um, where he will ask me, hey, uh, 
you know, he'll reply and say, yeah, that was me. Uh, what video games were you guys uh, you playing this weekend? And him and I have a standard response that we'll either go back and forth with different types of things. And I'll be like, oh, I was playing this. And be like, all right, cool. That's great. Right. As opposed to. So, yeah. So the, even those types of levels where you might have something where you're like, okay, I understand this. Well, because deep fake voice and deep fake video oh, yeah. are a real thing now. Actually, that's a that's another good that's another good point, Patrick. Um, there have been a rash of attacks. I'd say at least three I've heard of recently. Large organizations, which what will happen is, the CEO of a large organization will jump on the Zoom, for a you know whatever for a, a company meeting, and give all these new mandates and edicts about changing their banking and blah whatever. And it's literally somebody who's deep faked the CEO's voice, and got into the Zoom meeting. And, and a lot of people are like, yeah, you can't, you can't tell because they've listened to enough of the cadence. So, <clears throat> especially if they're public spooky, speakers. spooky. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. No Unplug like it. it all. Unplug <laughs> it all. Yeah. The Luddites had something then. <laughs> yeah, they really did. Sometimes I think uh, like, we've we've outsmarted ourselves. This is bad. It's possible. It's possible. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we so like I, you know, I like to, job I, security, right? Yeah, I know we're busy all the time, but I'd like to think that people, people innately are really good about knowing if something feels awkward and weird. Um, just rely on that feeling. Like if somebody's asking you to do something with your bank you've never done before, or if your CEO is asking you to change something and they've never asked for this before, like double check because um, your your instincts probably right. It doesn't hurt to double check for anything. I mean, no. before you click on a link, before Honestly. you. We've stopped asking people to click on links whenever possible. So like, for example, if I'm talking to somebody and they say, oh, you know, send me a link to your podcast, I just tell, tell them how to find it. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to click. I don't want to train you to click on links. I want nope. to train you to go use a safe browser and go find it yourself from a safe source. Uh, and, and, and so we have to get better at this. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's requiring more and more levels of training. And a lot of organizations are behind the eight ball because they're not doing any training at all. So right. even some training would be helpful. Any training. A minimal amount of training is a good place to start. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, well, this has been a really fantastic conversation. And unsurprisingly, we filled our entire hour, as I was sure that we would. Um, and it feels <laughs> like we could probably keep talking about this. So I mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised if we came back and said, you want to join the podcast again, because this has been really awesome. Um, Melissa, before we go, do you have anything that you wanted to ask that we didn't cover or did you want to bring anything else up? I, I just wanted to highlight, I know Patrick mentioned it earlier, um, but you know, Pulsar's done an enormous um, amount of webinars for CMA members. So if you are a member and you want to see any of those uh, previous webinars and dive more into each one of these topics to please check out CMA University um, and dive into those because there's great, uh, great information there. Lots There's even one content. on passwords. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if our riveting conversation wasn't enough for you, right? you too can dive into the wonderful world of password <laughs> management. Um, <laughs> on that note, Dwayne, Patrick, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it was truly our pleasure to have you with us. And we look forward to connecting with you guys again soon. Thank awesome. you very much. Thank it was great. So much. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Okay, well, that wraps us up with our friends over at Pulsar. As we said before, lots of really valuable information here. I think we'll probably have these guys back to chat with us again soon. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any shortage of things to say. 
Absolutely. And I highly encourage you to check out their weekly podcast, Security This Week. I added it to my subscribe playlist to listen and learn more. You know, there there is so much to learn about this topic. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great listen. So definitely check that out. For sure. Okay. So we have been sharing a lot of important updates last week we talked about last week, last episode, we talked about our dues renewal time, which is still important. And if you haven't renewed yet, please do. Um, But (laughs) thinking about dues also brings us around to thinking about dues checkoff and the club foundation. Melissa, what is the club foundation doing right now? Sure. So right now, uh, the Club Foundation has launched their summer fundraising campaign, and that's inspired by the many families working in the industry. And not just the families we're born into, but the families we create. So the prevalence of this is a part of a larger story of our industry and how we create those own families within our own teams. And we know that you and your teams go regularly go above and beyond for your members, but you also go above and beyond for one another ensuring as much success for each member of your team. So we encourage you to join the campaign with your own or work family and help us reach our goal and celebrate our Club Foundation We Are Family because family does matter. So visit cma.org, visit clubfoundation.org to get more information on the campaign, set up your fundraising page. There are prizes. So definitely check it out. That campaign is running through September 15th. As well, as Kyle mentioned, don't forget you can donate directly to the Club Foundation through your membership renewal invoice with CMA. So don't forget all of those funds go directly to our scholarship and grants program, making it possible for people to advance in the club management industry. Yep. <sighs> all right. I think that's everything. I think we've covered everything we need to cover uh, okay. for this episode. So it was a jam-packed month of August, <laughs> and we're looking at a busy September and a busy October Absolutely. and November as well. But we've got some always, great things planned. So yeah, you can always count on us to to be here and share that information with you. Um, but we will be back next month, uh, hopefully continuing one of our other series. Um, but we'll we'll just tease it like that for now. <laughs> And uh, I will hopefully also have some great things to report back from the communication summit, which I'm really excited about. Um, That starts on Monday. So whenever you're listening to this, you're probably doing a little mental time travel. But I will hopefully have (laughs) some great stuff to share with you from that event and maybe even an interview from that event as well. So um, until next month, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Club Management. Please don't forget to uh, rate, review, and subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Um, It helps us out. But if not, next time we'll be back. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care, friends. Bye. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. 
The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org.